Hey there, welcome to the Agents of Revival podcast. If you're ready to be healed and take full accountability of your life by evolving into your best self, then this is the podcast for you. I am your host, Andrea Griffin Rogers, and I'll share with you winning steps as well as personal tips and anecdotes on how to go from brokenness to wholeness and from scattered pieces to inner peace. So come on in and join me on this healing journey and let's become whole together. Enjoy it. Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? I pray all is well and that this message stirs your faith, falls on good ground, and produces good fruit in your lives. All right, so today's message, um, I'm just going to get right into this thing, y'all. We are in part 23 of the Trigger War series, and um, today's title is called Before You Were This, You Were That. You could get with this, or you could get with that. You could get with this, or you could get with that. Because this is where it's at. Well, that's what the hip-hop songs say, y'all. But Jesus says, uh, that is where you were, not this. And so, before I get into it and explain, like, what does it mean, I'm going to say a quick prayer. Spirit of the living God, we come to you right now. We just want to say thank you for allowing this opportunity for my brothers and my sisters to hear and receive a word from you, God. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. May you get the glory, honor, and praise from this moment. Father God, we keep none for ourselves. Remove any distractions, God, so that your children will hear this word, God. Remove any foul thoughts that the enemy put in their mind, that life put in their their hearts, God. Just remove it. All in the name of Jesus so that your people who are called by your name will identify themselves in the way that you have always seen fit for them to be. This we pray in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So today's message, y'all, I'm actually talking a little bit more about identity. And I can't get away from this because we live in a society and and especially with social media, a culture where so many people are comparing themselves so many people um, have a false identity of who they are. Not only are they walking around calling themselves pronouns and things like that, but they also um, just don't know who and whose they are. Life has beaten so many people down that they just feel like they are their condition. You know, I talked before in this series about fact versus truth. And yes, you may have done some things. You may have been through some things. And so that may be the fact, but it's not the truth. The truth is what God says about you. And so many people don't even know what God says about them. They don't know who they are. And so they go around calling themselves their condition. They go around calling themselves the fact of what they've been through, what they've suffered, of what they've done. And you walk around in what the Bible calls this condemnation and this shame and guilt. And there is none of that in Christ Jesus. And so I wanted to talk about this. And it's interesting because um, the scripture that came to mind uh, was actually during my own Bible study, Private Time with the Father, which most of these kind of are inspired by. And um God had put uh put this person on my mind. And this is someone in the Bible I have never taught about before. I never even paid, you know, two two strings and a twist. <laughs> I never even paid her no mind, baby. But God put her on my heart today to talk about her because she is so important. And many people don't even realize how important she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for her, Jesus couldn't be here. 
And I know some of y'all think, well, she gonna talk about Mary. Nope, sorry. <laughs> You're wrong, boo. I ain't talking about her. I have somebody else that nobody even thinks to talk about. Why? Because for the majority of the Bible, until you get to the Gospels, she's considered as her condition. That's it. She's known as her condition to this day. So many pastors and preachers teach about her condition and, and the fact of what she's been through and who she was and not who God called her to be. See, before any of us were born, God says in Jeremiah 1 5, I knew you. Before you were born, before you ever formed in your mother's womb, before the, the earthly name was given to you, I am knew you. The great I am God almighty. He knew you and he called you by name, the name he gave you for a purpose. And so above all things, and my mentor even taught me this many times before, above all things, you are a child of the most high God. You are a daughter. You are a son of the most high God. Before anybody put names on you, before anybody put labels on you, before you went through any drama or trauma or tragedy or trial or tribulation or whatever in the earth, God said you were my daughter. You were my son. You need to get back to that mentality because so many people have put their labels on you and you've done some things in your life, baby. And so, yes, God says, I know that. But see, when you came back to me, when you came and, and repented, and turned and sought the face of Christ Jesus and you said he is your Lord and Savior then that means he gave you a new garment of praise so that means that you're not the same person you used to be hello somebody you are now a new creature a new creation in Christ Jesus and and it's really not even a new person it's a revived person than of who you once were hello somebody God is saying today, I need to revive you back to your identity. The identity that I had always given you before you were ever in the earthly realm. You were a son of mine. You were a daughter of mine. You need to remember that. That you are joint heir with Christ Jesus. And you're supposed to be seated in heavenly places. You're meant to be the head and not the tail. You're meant to be above and not beneath. You're meant to be the lender and not the borrower. There are blessings of Abraham stored up for you, but it, it, it counts on you knowing who you are and who you are is not what earthly man said you are. Who you are is not what you've been through. That's not who you are. It's not to say that, as I've talked about before in the last two episodes, it's not to say that God can't use that part of your life for your identity um, in the earth to to push forward his agenda, to um, to pursue his will, his purpose for your life. Yeah, he'll use what you've been through because then you have a testimony to tell. You had a story to tell that points back to God. But without all of the labels, without before somebody called you a wife, before somebody called you a mom or a dad, before somebody called you a husband, before somebody called you uh, the artist or whatever, before somebody called you... Um, this actor or celebrity or singer or or nurse or or doctor or or lawyer who or whatever before anybody gave you these labels these titles manager supervisor administrative assistant cop lawyer sheriff whatever it is before man gave you these titles even your name before it was given to you god says i knew you and i called you my daughter i called you my son i called you man I called you woman. When I first created you in Genesis 1, if you go back and read that, he says, I created them man and woman in my image. Before Adam and Eve had a name, they were called man and woman. 
You got to read your Bibles now. I'm giving you all a little bit of history. But before Adam and Eve were ever called Adam and Eve. See, they got their names when they sinned. But before sin, they were only known as woman and man. They were only known as son and daughter of God. Formed in the image of God. But then sin came and then they got labeled and then and, and, and God gave them a title rather their name. But the namesake was meant to be uh, first of, you know, man, first of or mother of women. That's what Eve means. And, and Adam means. But before that, they were just woman and man living and seated in heavenly places in the Garden of Eden, just living a best life. That's really the best life. When God is taking care of you fully, when God's provided all your needs that you don't need anything. But see, when you go through things and you come into the earth, then all of a sudden you get labeled your condition. You get labeled your, your, um, a title. And, and then now you become what man says you are, but you got to remember who God says you are. And so today I wanted to touch on a beautiful story and people may be like, how is this beautiful? I just bear with me. It's a story of a woman in the Bible named the prostitute. <laughs> Baby, I know y'all like, did she just say the prostitute? Yes, baby, the prostitute, okay? <laughs> yes, uh, there is a prostitute in the Bible. And one thing I love about the Bible, that's why I tell y'all, my big brother Travis Green says, you can't just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. That means you got to put yourself in that thing. You got to read between the lines. You got to really envision the scene when you're reading it. Don't just read it as empty words. They're not empty words, baby. They live in water. But you got to read that thing and make it come to life for you. Um, because... Again, there's, I don't, I do not believe, and I've said this time and time again, I've taught it before. I do not believe that there's nobody in this world that can literally, if they go to the Bible, that they cannot see themselves in the Bible. If you look, there is something, there is someone, there is some condition that you're going through that is already written about in the Bible. The Bible is a book of wisdom, y'all. It is like the best manual you ever you know get a package uh and there's and you open the package and there's like a manual on how instructions on how to put it together you see this is what the bible is it's instructions on how to put your life together <laughs> because when you get born in this world and you go through some things baby and i mean even just childhood things when you go through life you you kind of lose track of the original manual. You you need a reboot. This is what revival is all about, baby. Edges of revival. And see, it's a reboot you back to the condition of who God said you are originally. Back to your original manufacturing. Hello, somebody. You know, I, I understand that along the way, parts got replaced and whatever. But God says, baby, I'm the original creator. I know how I manufactured you. And so you got to come back to the original manufacturing. You need a reboot. You need a resetting like Siri, <laughs> you know, on your iPhone. You got to go back and go back to factory settings because you, you can't keep going forward in, in what the muck and guck of life has been on you. God says, uh -uh, I want to do a new thing in your life. And so I got to reboot you. I got to revive you. I got to reset you back to the original manufacturing settings I always had in store for you. And so in the Bible and in most times, that's why I had to start with the prostitute because you probably have heard her only called by the prostitute. 
but that's not who she was god already knew before she was formed in the earth before life got the best of her and she became a prostitute sort of you know prostituting herself out on the corners and whatnot before that was her God says, you are my daughter, and I was going to use you to be in the family line to birth the generations that will come that will ultimately birth the earthly vessel of me in the shape and form of Jesus Christ. Mm. Yes, baby. Jesus Christ, great, 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 grandma was a prostitute. Yes, child. Grandma was a prostitute. Grandma was doing some things, child, but... Mm, thank God for victory. Thank God for his restorative powers. Thank God for re reshaping and reviving and renewing and, and just giving us a new covenant that says, I've given you grace. I have a purpose and a plan for your life. So even though you've went through that, it's also going to work out for my good. Because he says in Romans 8 that he causes everything to work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so you have to know, and that's why I want to read this story to you, because you have to understand that no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done yourself, no matter how much life beat you down, no matter what titles you currently hold and, and you feel so prominent because the world says these titles, you know, are your success badge of honor. But God says, nah, boo, there's a real badge of honor. Somebody yesterday, a scars of impact. There's a real badge of honor that God says that's, that's always been mine. There's a, a letter I want to put on you and it's with a J baby it's Jesus I want to put my glory on you baby I want to give you my anointing and give you my authority so that even though you went through those things you would then be able to go speak to those things to other people and say be ye separated in the name of Jesus I rebuke that in the name of Jesus and y'all know you prostituting right now baby but because I used to be a one and I used to be on the corner just like you baby I can come and speak to you my, my daughter my and, and say uh-uh uh-uh no 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 that's not gonna be your future I'm going to rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to give you the tools that you need to get up out of this thing. See, all of us have different stories. So if you are the prostitute, if you are the pimp, if you are the drug dealer, if you are the gangster, if you are the slut, if you are... If you are the gossiper, if you are the uh, abuser, whatever you are. If you are whatever your sin is, the, the angry, bitter person, whatever it is that you are, the drunkard, the, the, um, the drug addict, whatever it is, God says, I don't want you to stay stuck there because that's the fact of where you are right now. Yes. We talk about this series about trigger doors. And so God's give you the opportunity to say, that's the fact of where you are right now. But I am trying to move you forward. I'm trying to unveil the truth about who you are going to become, who I've always created you to be. And then I'm going to push you and guide you along the way so that you can manifest that person and, and step into that purpose and fulfill your destiny. God always had it in store for you all along. And so even with Rahab, though life got the best of her and she went the way of a prostitute, God said, I already had in store for you to be redeemed and for you to be purified through the fire, through, through life's testings, but ultimately for God's victory. And so go with me to Joshua chapter 2. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, starting at the first verse. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Acacia Grove. Now, this is really quickly the Israelites. They've already been out of Egypt. The parents have died. 
Um, cause God said, I'm not going to let you guys go in, but I'll let your children go into the promised land. And so the parents die because they doubted and they complain and they worship false gods and whatnot. So God said, I, I, can't, I can't do that. But these are the children of those Israelites that were once enslaved and they are now, um, uh, being, they've grown up and they're now about to go into their promised land and take the land that God gave for them. And so Joshua is their leader and he's taking them into the promised land. But before he goes out, he's using wisdom to say, okay, let's scout this land out and make a plan before we go in and take it. God already gave it to us. So we're moving forward, but we want to make, make sure we're moving forward with wisdom. And so um, continuing on in, in the first verse, he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they are. I don't know where they're from. They left the town at dusk as the guests were about to choke the clothes. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up onto the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in Sarah. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did at Shire and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother and my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety. The men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord give us the land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then, when they have turned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone lays a hand on people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept the terms, she replied, and she sent them away leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. The spies went up into the hill country and stayed there three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. 
Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. Okay, so I'm going to pause really quickly, and then we're going to go over to Joshua 6. And I've read all of Joshua 6 before, so I'm not going to read that entire chapter. I just want to um, read a, a part of it to you. But as you see, um, she was very pivotal in making sure that the children of Israel got into their promised land. Because she could have very easily gave them up. But I believe that, that what she didn't know was a feeling in her. But it was the Holy Spirit speaking to her to say, don't give in to the temptation of the land you live in. And the authority that's saying, do, do this. No, listen to God. And we have to understand that because in today's society and time, we live in a culture where everything is everything. Like everything is, is just gung-ho. You could do whatever you want. You can live your, as they say, truth. Uh, it has nothing to do with God's truth, but live your truth out loud and do what you want to do and how you want to live. And, and it seems to be okay. But God says, no, I need you to be ye separated. I need you to understand that you are always mine. And so since you are mine, you're meant to have a higher standard. You're meant to, you know, walk with a level of character and integrity and that means that you do things differently than what society says before you were this you were that before you became this condition in the earth and and these people and and you got so caught up in in race wars and skin cut and culture battles and and all these things that had nothing to do with my kingdom because let me tell you something and i told you about my vision before where um where I was called and when I was in heaven there wasn't a, a black section or a white section or a democratic section or republican section or a baptist section or a catholic section or episcopalian you know section it, those sections weren't there when God called me into heaven and showed me um and told me my marching order excuse me th there was no um division Everybody was unified, worshiping and honoring the Father. And so we have to understand that even down here, that we're not meant to be divided. We're meant to do life together. Um, but I want to go over to uh, Joshua 6. Um, and let's start at the 22nd verse. And it reads, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out, along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. And so um, what this is showing us, as I was just mentioning, um, is that the blessing is not just going to be for you. It's going to be for everybody that's attached to you. And... God can use anybody, you know, even if they're not a believer, God can use anybody to bless you, but the blessing is not just for you. And the, the goal is that even that person that may not believe that when they see you get blessed, it will spark something in them that says, I don't want to fight God anymore. I don't want to be this anymore, what I've been and what I've been identifying myself as anymore. I want to know who that God is. Can you tell me who that God is? And so and it also gives you an opportunity to to bless them with your testimony, to bless them with encouragement about who Jesus Christ is for you. And so continuing on with Rahab's story, um, it goes further into Ruth, 
the book of Ruth, you guys heard me talk about this before, um, even in the, the previous episode where I mentioned uh, an answer calling when I, you know, went down how I was called and whatnot. And I said around that time, you know, God had spoke to me about um, two names in the Bible when I was going through my Job Wilderness experience, or rather when I was about to go into the Job Wilderness. He said Job and he said Naomi. And um, Naomi is actually the mother-in-law of Ruth. And she winds up marrying a man named Boaz, who is considered like the family redeemer for uh, Naomi's bloodline. And so um, you go read Ruth 1 through 4. I don't, it's only four chapters. I don't really want to kind of break down this, um, this story because I don't want to get away from talking about, um, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Y'all pray my strength in my voice. Mm. Ooh. Um, I don't want to get away from talking about um, Rahab, but the significance of the story with Boaz, even linking to um, Naomi, is that this is all a part of Jesus's bloodline. And so we find that Boaz is actually the son of uh, Rahab. He's the son of Rahab. And so if you continue down the lineage, you know that with uh, once Boaz marries Ruth, they give birth to a child named Obed. And then Obed eventually, of course, when he grows up, he gives birth to a child named Jesse. And then you guys heard me talk about Jesse before. Jesse gives birth to David and his brothers. Um, and, you know, King David goes on and then uh, you continue down the, the line, the long line of the generations to come. And then you get Jesus Christ. And so in Ruth chapter 4... Uh, starting at um, the 13th verse, it says the descendants of Boaz. And it says, so Boaz took Ruth into his home and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant and she gave birth to a son. Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and coddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Abinadab. Abinadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. And so uh, if you haven't picked up on it, uh, Salmon was the husband of Rahab. And you have to continue Joshua's story and, and on and on and on to connect the dots of all the Old Testament. Because a lot of people think that the Old Testament is just like bits and pieces, but it's not. It's a, an entire story. First of all, the, the um, macro scale is it's an entire story of God's love for us. 
And then the micro scale is it's an entire story um, of Jesus's bloodline. You know, a lot of people um, don't know or they think that like Jesus didn't have uh, a family. He didn't descend from anything. But if you go read your Bible, you realize that there's an entire bloodline. And one thing I love about God through these people. Oh, y'all pray my strength in my throat, y'all. Uh, one thing I love about um, God is that he doesn't let us stay in this. No matter what we've done, no matter what has happened to us, no matter how life beat us down, he doesn't let us stay in this. He always has that in store for us. He always created us to be something, to have purpose in the earth. And so he is the redeemer for a reason. He revives us and gives us new life. If you think of one of the reasons why I love the, the name of this ministry that God gave me, Agents of Revival. Uh, the, the first thing I, I thought about when God gave it to me was um, if you think of um, a person who is coded in a hospital, when they go to revive them, they're going to resuscitate them. They're going to bring them back to life. And a lot of times when people have coded and they are then revived or resuscitated, they're a new person. They are completely different than how they were before. And that's the whole point of a spiritual revival. It's meant to resuscitate you to a different version of you that you've never known before. You've been living your life for one way for so long. And the labels that society and that world and even your family have placed on you have become your identity. But God says there was a, a, a heavenly version of you that before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I set you apart to be that person in the earth. And so I understand that life happened but now i need to revive you into the true person who you were always meant to be into your true calling and so hallelujah jesus that he does that with us that he works things and and rearranges things and just changes things so that we can be redeemed we don't have to continue going in the way that we once were under the identity or demise that we um once were like we don't have to do that anymore we can become a new person in christ jesus and he says when we come to him and and repent of our sins he casts them away and remember them no more and thank god because you know people will always you know bring up what you used to be okay but in god i'm not <laughs> hello somebody in god i'm somebody totally different so i don't have to worry about being that and so after ruth 4 my next scripture i wanted to get to um, is actually uh, in Matthew chapter 1. And in Matthew chapter 1, um, I wanted to show you more of more of just the connection of the, the history of Jesus Christ. And so if you go in your Bibles, you see that Matthew chapter 1 starts with the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah. And this is a record of the ancestors, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And so I want to start at the second verse. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amenadab. Amenadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Simon. Simon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab the prostitute. Boaz was the father of Obed, 
whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. I'm going to stop right here. Now, if you're reading along with me in Matthew 1, um, I put in the prostitute part because I wanted you to see the connection um, and didn't get lost in the names. Because sometimes it can be like really confusing if you're trying to follow along the, the genealogical history. But I mean, that's like any of us. If we do a family tree, and I've done one recently, you kind of get lost in the sauce of like all these different names and birthdays and whose parent was who and who's what. And, and you might stay with it for like the first, like your great grandma. I mean, your grandma to your great grandma, your grandpa to your great grandpa. And you might be fine there. But when you get to the great, great, greats, and you, you're like, listen, I got a headache. <laughs> and so that's pretty much what's going on here is uh, Matthew 1 goes down an entire list of names starting with Abraham. But even if you say, well, wait a minute, how does this connect? Because if you say we all come from Adam and Eve, how does this connect? Well, you got to go read your Bible. You got to go read Genesis. Because from Abraham, he... um. I think is the the great grand or the grand he's one of the grands child you got to go look of Noah and Noah uh is descended from Adam and Eve and and, and um so you got to go it it literally all connects but it would take me too much time to kind of break down all of this and my throat is already bothering me y'all so we just gonna get through this because I am healed in the name of Jesus okay so um but yeah so we see um, throughout the majority of the, the rest of the Bible, from the moment that Rahab was introduced in Joshua 2, if you continue reading the, from the book of Joshua all the way to the book of Matthew, it's not until Matthew that her name is changed. Because unfortunately, as I said, people won't let you forget what you've done or what you've been through, unfortunately. And, and I thank God that God's not like people. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he changes his mind about us. He, like I said, he, because before we were formed, he knew us. He already knew who we were. And we were spirits and beings in the heavenly places with him. He already knew who we were, what our identities were. We're living our life backwards because God is already at the end of our life. And so we're just walking it out forward, but living it backward in the, in the eyes of God. So he already knows what's ahead of us. He already knows who we're going to be. He already knows our destiny. Just like he knew the destiny of Rahab. And so even though life beat her down and she, you know, was a prostitute temporarily. And I say temporarily because it doesn't matter how many years she did it. It still was a temporary chapter in her book. But thank God that the book is not closed. Hallelujah, Jesus. He doesn't close our book. He just says, okay, I'm going to put a pause right here. So if you think about if you're reading a book. Think of it in a sense of whatever your whatever your current fact and condition is right now, like whatever label you have been or has been placed upon you. That's only chapter five, but it's 50 chapters in your book. It's 100 chapters in your book. It's 99 chapters in your book. It's 69 chapters in your book. You're living it out day by day. And so you may be right now on, on chapter 5 or chapter 35 or chapter 55. Put your age in there. Whatever your age is, that's the chapter of, that you're in. Your, the year of your birth, the year of that you're in, excuse me, is the chapter that you're in. So right now I'm 35. I'm in the chapter 35. But I can't sit here and think that my book is closed in life and I've lived all that I could live and there's nothing more to come. And so all the experiences up to 35 is just who I am. No, that's who I've been. Remember, I told you right now we're talking about if I didn't make it clear enough, I'll make it clear right now. We're talking about the 
um, I told you throughout this season to keep anchored six types of triggers because we're going to continue breaking those down. And so today we're talking about three healthy trigger doors of opportunity that God uses to strengthen his people and to push them into purpose. And so the first one is triggers that reveal truth about who you are. The second is triggers that unveil the truth about who you are becoming. And the third is triggers that push you into purpose and help you to fulfill your destiny. And so this is what, what is going on in Rahab's life. And some of you are finding your, it's going on in your life as well. Because God has doors of opportunity for all of us. But you just got to walk it out. And so um, with Rahab, you know, when she encounters the spies, she's, you know, at the moment where it's being revealed the trigger, uh, the first trigger of um, truth of who she is. You're a prostitute. That, that's who you are. That's the fact of the matter right now. This is your life right now. You're a prostitute. But thank God that she didn't have to keep wearing that scarlet letter of shame. She didn't have to stay in that guilt. Because then along the line, when she eventually marries Simone, then it then there's the uh, the unveiling of the truth about who she is to become or who she's becoming. Her 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 lineage is changing. You've been a prostitute up until a point, but now God has remade you into the image of being a great 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 whatever down the line grandmother of a king. So. And even before we get to King Jesus, she's the great, 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 I believe. I think that's about the greats of King David. So he always had it in store for her to be in a line of royalty. So even though right now she's a prostitute, she's considered like a pauper, like less than just filthy, you know, just just covered in sin. You know, but that was the that was the the then that was the trigger that came with the opportunity of her to protect the spies. But after she did that, then when they took her to safety, as we just read in Joshua six, when they took her to safety, it, it was another trigger door she was entering into that was going to reveal who she was to become. And so when she marries Simone and her and her name gets changed, her identity gets changed. She becomes a wife, not a prostitute anymore. She's a wife now. And then she becomes a mother. Then she becomes a grandmother. Then she becomes a great grandmother to a king. And then, of course, down the line, you get Jesus Christ. And, and that was a, and that pushes her into the third trigger, which is pushing you into purpose and help you fulfill your destiny. Her job was never meant to stay a prostitute. That was where God met her. But when we meet God, I talked about it before in yesterday's episode. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Of scars of impact because when we are impacted by God and we allow God to completely infect every ounce of our being, every every blood vessel in our body, every you know um, train of thought in our mind, when we truly allow God's Holy Spirit to come in and remake us and shift us into His image and mold us as the Potter does clay into the image He always had for us, we become that person. We no longer are this person that we see today in the mirror. We become a totally different person. We become revived into a new being. But it's really not a new being. It's the being that God already had in store for us all along. It was the heavenly being that we once were. But because life happened, we kind of got sidetracked. We kind of got, you know, knocked off the ground a little bit. We kind of got knocked off the path. But God, when we allow the encounter to happen with God, he says, okay, I got to put you back into alignment. With the assignment I always had in store for you to manifest. 
And so I wanted to kind of break that down to you to help you understand, um, you know, Rahab's story and just how God can really take what is a messy situation, what is circumstances, what is uh, our identity up until this point and says, that's not who you are. This is where you are today, but that's not who you are becoming. And I thank God for that, because as I talked about before, you know, when God called me, um, and, and and if you haven't listened to that that episode, you have to go listen to Answer Calling because um this message piggybacks off of yesterday's message and the message before that, which was Answer Calling. So it, it's all tying in. So I tell you, I got to keep up every day now. But um, you know, when God called me at the time that He called me, as I said before, I was I, I had went through some things. I had done some things. Um, I, I just felt like, God, why me? Like, I, there's no way I can do what you're calling me to do. You, you know, God, I made too many mistakes. I'm, I'm less than like, God, I, I think there's way more people who I could give you a whole list, Jesus, or other people I think that are much better to do this job. And God said, no, I've called you. I've equipped you. I've given you authority. You got to stop being timid and start being the bold and powerful person that I know is inside of you. See, when God was calling me and speaking to me that way, he didn't see the this. He didn't see my condition. He didn't see the fact that a matter of where I was at that point. It was the opportunity of the first trigger, you know, to reveal the truth about who I am. But it wasn't where I was going to stay. That's why he had to unveil to me the truth about who I was becoming, the second trigger. And then once I got the revelation of that and got my marching orders from him, then I went into moving towards, as I continue to move towards, as he's pushing me into the third trigger, which is purpose and helping me fulfill my destiny. And God has the same thing for you today. You just got to tap in to the father and get your identity from the father. No longer continue holding on to the identity of men, of, of your circumstances or your condition or what you've been through or what you've done. There is no shame, guilt or condemnation in Christ Jesus. When you come to Christ Jesus, you become a new person. That means that the old man is thrown away, is put off. The old woman is thrown away, is put off, and you become a new person in him with a new identity, with new garments. You take that scarlet letter off and you become a new person. And so it doesn't matter of who knew you from back then. Uh-uh, boo. You, you knew me back then. Now I'm somebody totally different. You got to get to know me. Allow me to reintroduce myself. Mm-hmm. See, this is the season now where God's telling some of you, not only is he trying to reintroduce you to you, but then you'll be able to reintroduce other people to who you are. Because there's plenty of people who know my name, who know my birthday, who know my family, who know where I live, and you still don't know me. <laughs> Amen, somebody? You don't know the real me. Even family don't know the real me. They knew a version of me. But you need to be introduced to who I am today. Because who I am today is very different than who I was before. It's not to say that there aren't some remnants. Uh, because there's all God always leaves remnants. There's, there's a remnant of who you are. But most of the remnants that God leaves is the truth of who your character is. The, the integrity of your heart. The, the pureness. That's what he leaves there. That will always be consistent. 
And so if it's somebody that knew me 10, 15, 20 years ago and says, oh, she was such a caring, kind uh, child or teenager or young adult, and they meet me today, the people today that know me will say, yep, she still is. Because that's part of my integrity. That's part of my character. You know, oh, she used to take care of her grandma. She still does. <laughs> you know, now, thankfully, my maternal grandmother, she, you know, is a bit agile. She could do, you know, most things on her own. About 98% things on her own. But there's still a 2% where she needs my help and I'm there to help. And then I have other elderly people in my life that I, or, or seasoned saints. Excuse me, my my spiritual mentor always tell me, we like to be called seasoned saints. <laughs> so I said, okay, my seasoned saints, you know, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm helpful in that way. So there are things that, again, the remnants of the purest part of you will always be there uh, across the years that you grow. But the stuff, the guck, the muck that life has thrown on you and said, this is who you are, the labels that life has thrown on you and people threw on you because of what you've been through or even your current circumstances. Uh, you, you, no, that's not who you are. You are always a daughter. You were always a son of God. You have to own the identity and then walk it out as you seek first his kingdom and live righteously. He will also add unto you your purpose. And so as you walk in the full authority and the identity that you are in him, he will help you identify and then walk in even more of your um, purpose. But you got to take off the labels that society puts on you. And recognize who you truly are in Christ Jesus. Um, and so I had another scripture I wanted to get to. But I, I'm, I'm going to save that for another time. I'm going to wrap this up. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord God be gracious to you. Show you his favor and give you shalom. Give you his peace. Take care. Bye now. <laughs>